Okay, so today we will be concluding our series titled Reconnect. Reconnect. In week one, uh, I asked the question, are you a disciple or just a follower? And then last week, we looked at the power of uh, partnership. I showed you from Ecclesiastes chapter four that we need people in our lives that will help us to work, walk for warmth, which is comfort and encouragement, and for warfare, to do war, you need people that will do warfare. You know, part of, 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 of the serve team is that right now, and I just saw two ladies that earlier, they're not in here, and I'm almost positive that they're upstairs right now. There's a team as I'm speaking that is upstairs in every service, both services every Sunday morning that is praying for us right now. They're doing warfare. They're interceding for us right now. Amen. I call it the engine room of the church. Amen. You know, like in a big ship, there's an engine room that nobody ever sees. I uh, see, you know, we went on our first cruise earlier this year and went there and I, you could have took a tour of it and it was just they wanted way too much money for it. And I didn't feel like paying for it. So I didn't go see it. But right. You never see the engine in a big ship. Right. All you see is this beautiful cruise ship. But there's there's something happening. There's power underneath that's making that thing run. The, the intercessory prayer team is the power is the power of this service. I mean, they're the they're the engine room of this service. Yes, I've I've been praying, and I know you've been praying. But there's people interceding right now. And you know what? That just like we need that as a church, you need that in your life. You need people that can intercede for you uh, in a powerful way. Matter of fact, some of you came out. We had a great time at Gerard Park last night. We had a community-wide night of prayer and worship. Man, it was a great turnout. It was a little chilly out there, but it was a great turnout uh, to see people from our church and all different churches. Nathan, some of our worship team, head up the, the worship. Uh, there are a lot of different uh, pastors. They had an intercessory prayer team up there, and as they were praying through certain things, people were coming up uh, to get prayer. There was a military mom there praying over the military and and, 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 and all the children are like, you know, parents that have children in the military. Great night. So, uh, and that was a big part. It was worship and warfare. But we all needed that in our lives individually. Amen? So today we're going to conclude and we're going to look in the Gospel of John and in a few different chapters and I'm going to give you Jesus's five principles of partnership. Last week I talked about the power of partnership. Now I want to give you, I want to conclude this week with the Jesus' five principles of partnership. All of the verses of Scripture that we're going to read from the book of John uh, is Jesus talking to or praying for those he was in closest relationship with, with which was his disciples, right? See, we've been talking, this is this, I'm, I'm encouraging you to get reconnected to the church. If you're at home watching online, I'm going to challenge you and encourage you again to get reconnected physically here in the church. We have room where you can spread out, you can wear a mask, we got our cleaning crew here, but I'm encouraging you to, to no longer just be at home, but you need to get reconnected. Those of us here, I'm encouraging you to get reconnected in life groups. And in essence, Jesus had his life group, his small group, so to speak, right? In week one, we saw that he had, uh, I, I made it, that's why I said, are you a disciple or just a follower? Because it makes it clear he had his small group, so to speak, his 12, his, his, his disciples. Then he had followers and then they had the crowds, right? So there's different, even back then there was different levels. And even in church today, there's different levels. There's the crowds, there's the followers, and then there's Jesus' disciples. Amen. So we're going to look at that today. Turn with me if, if you, uh, have your Bible or your phone to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, and we're going to look at a few verses from John chapter 13 all the way to 17 of Jesus' five principles of partnership. 
And in John 13, I'm going to begin reading in verse 12, Jesus had just finished washing his disciples' feet, which, by the way, was the low, was the job for the lowliest, lowest level servant in the house. We're talking about the serve team, and we, I'm going to talk about that next week. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but came to serve. And whenever the disciples sat down that night, nobody, I don't know where the servant was, I don't know if he was off that night, I don't know what he was doing of the house, but none of the disciples took the time to, to wash his feet. And, and Pastor Eric True talked about this a few weeks ago. And Jesus got up from the table, put an apron on, and he began to serve them by washing his feet. The most humble play, uh, thing you could do at the moment. <laughs> you know, Pastor Eric brought something out that I never thought about before. Think about it. He washed Judas's feet knowing he was about to betray him. Talk about an example, the, our, our master, the example of servanthood, knowing, you know, it's easy. You can serve around here. We all serve. I mean, I love you guys, but somebody that you know is going to betray you, you know, and, and you could remember what Eric said he thought he might have did, but I'm not going to repeat that, right? He got a little aggressive with it. But anyway, so this is the context of what I'm about to read. Jesus had just washed his disciples' feet, John 13, 12 through 17. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again, sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. Let me just stop. As I was going over my notes this morning, I just saw something I never caught before in this verse. Jesus said, you're right, because that's what I, that's what I am. And I looked at a bunch of different translations, and the majority of every translation, he says, this is what I am. He didn't say, this is who I am. His identity, even Jesus' identity wasn't in what he did, but in who he was. Did you catch that? He says, this is what I am. I'm your teacher, yes, and I'm your Lord, but it's not who I am. He knew I'm a son of my father because he heard it twice. He heard it at the baptism. This is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, whenever, you know, the, 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 the core, he had another small group, the core, the three said, hey, you know, he, it was the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus was up there. Elijah and Moses appeared to him and they said, man, should we make an altar for, for all of y'all? And the voice of the father said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So you see, Jesus knew, just as a side note, has nothing to do with the message, but something fresh that I just got this morning. Jesus's identity wasn't in what he did, but who he was. He says, you're right, this is what I am. I just want to encourage you, church, don't put your identity in what you do. You got to know who you are. You're a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And I get it, it's not easy. For years I struggled with this, and I've shared this with you. My identity is in what I did. And as a young, insecure youth pastor, when things weren't going well, I felt like a failure. I felt like less than. But I, I, finally the Lord spoke to me and got it through this knucklehead of mine. It wasn't about what I did, it's who I am. Amen? So even Jesus said, this is what I am, but it's not who he was. His identity was in his relationship with the Father. Amen? All right, let's keep going. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. I love this. I use this verse all the time, but the context here is serving. Now that you know these things... God will bless you for doing them. And that's why I always pray. Let's pray right now. I always pray over the word. Not that we just hear it and get the knowledge today, but God would help us to do it because that's where the blessing comes. Amen? Father, we do thank you for what you've already done in here today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is awesome, powerful, living and true and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray you would speak to me and through me. Help me, Lord God, as I 
clearly share your word, preach your word, teach your word. And I pray we would all receive it. But again, apply it as we just read that, Lord God, we can know these things. But the blessing, the anointing, the breakthrough, the fruit comes when we do them. So, Holy Spirit, give us the grace to apply these principles, your principles, Lord, of partnership to our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So from this verse, the first principle of partnership is that we serve each other. We serve each other. You see, Jesus' acts of service from washing the disciples' feet to dying on the cross and everything in between provided an example. And he even said that. I'm giving you an example to follow how we should serve one another. See, Jesus demonstrated that you and I, we need a family. Yes, we are. Maybe most of us have a biological family, but we need a spiritual family as well. You need a family of people who you can serve when they need you the most. Again, next week, we're going to be honoring our amazing serve team. And again, I love it. I love seeing that. Hey, look, I said there's some people here that need some some communion. The Calvary came in. Like four guys were like coming over here, right? The worship team, so many others of you that serve. People serving in kids' life all over. Intercessory prayer, the info center, all over. We're going to be honoring you guys. But you know, you can serve others on a smaller scale when... In the context of a life group, when you're in genuine relationship with people, one-on-one and in a smaller group. And as I just said that, I wasn't planning on Jesus had the 12, but he also had the three. He had even a smaller core of people. I've heard so many stories in our church that blesses me as a pastor that, that people in life groups helping each other move or maybe cleaning up after one of these storms or preparing meals or visiting each other in the hospital. I was reminded of somebody in our church, a sister in our church, uh, her mom passed away. And I remember I got there. I was getting there to go visit at the wake. And when I got there, they already had like four or five people from our church there with her visiting. And that just blessed me. They're there to love on her, to support her, to serve her in her time of need. You know, some of you in here know this, but there are different words in the original Greek that are translated as love in English. It, 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 there's like five different words, but the English only translation as, translates it as love, but they don't all mean the same thing. I want to look at two of them in regards to what we're talking about this morning. Phileo is a, is a convenient friendship. It's a convenient friendship kind of love. It's surface, it's friendly, it's courteous, like, hey, I'm your friend, I'm your buddy, I'm your, you know, like, hey, man, you know, we're cool, you know, we're, we're friends, you know, right? And that, that's cool, that, that's good, you know, but, but when we're talking about these relationships the last couple of weeks, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what the Bible calls agape love. That's the kind of love when, when it says God is love, it talks about agape. And see, and this is a covenant partnership. So just as we read, you see, that's why the Lord loves us with agape love, because he shed his blood to enter into an everlasting covenant relationship with us that was never meant to be broken. So our friendships, our relationship, our spiritual family should be the same. This is what Jesus had with his disciples. It emphasizes sacrifices for each other, commitment to each other, sharing of life, sharing of meals, and struggles together. See, in a spiritual family, people have needs. See, if you are not in a family, you only look out for your own needs. And I, 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 in, in my natural family, I realize that. I tell people all the time, I tell young couples that are about to get married or that are married. I, you know, I was single, I was living out on my own, and you know, and then the Lord blessed me with my beautiful bride, my treasure that'll be here at the second service. And, and you know what? I tell people, I didn't realize how selfish I was until I got married. And then I really didn't realize how selfish I was till I had children, right? 
Because you, why? Because I was only looking out for my own needs, right? All I had to do was deal with me and my dog. Oh yeah, and Bagel. I had my dog too. So I had a dog named Bagel at the time, right? So I just looked out for, 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 that was it. But you know what? When you, when I, once I got married and had a family, now it's not all about me anymore, right? I have my wife. I have my four children, right? A spiritual family is the same way. We're not just looking out for our own needs, but hey, what do you need? What, what do you, what's going on in your life? You know, not even our family. When the hurricanes hit, right? We put on Facebook and our, our, our website. Hey, if you got any needs, call. We help people from, from Lake Charles down to Cameron Parish and, and we want to help, right? We want to help people. There's needs out there. See, when you're in covenant relationship with others, their needs don't bother you. You're not bothered by people's needs. You're not too busy to notice their needs. You make time to help those in needs when you're in this kind of covenant relationship or partnership. See, Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, and we have a lot of opportunities, we should do good to everyone. Now look at this. Especially to those in the family of faith. You see that? So that's why we want to do good. Whenever a natural disaster hits or we do an outreach to our community, man, it don't matter. We A lot of these people we help from Lake Charles, we may never see again, but that's okay. We want to bless them. We want to help them. That's what the Bible says to do. We had a great opportunity for, for Laura, for Delta, 2016 flood throughout the year. We, we always, we're doing things to bless others, but it says especially those in the family of faith. See, again, we can help the crowds, but you got to be looking to serve those that you're in covenant with. Amen. Look for opportunities to serve others. But you got to be in that kind of relationship to be able to serve in that kind of way. Amen? Second principle of partnership is that we encourage each other. Now, I talked about this some last week, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But look at John 14. We're going over to John 14 now. John 14, one again, this is Jesus speaking. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. When Jesus said this, he was encouraging his disciples See, the, 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 the word heart here is, is cure, cure, C-O-U-E-R. We get the word courage from this word, from the word heart. We get courage. So encourage means to give heart. Discourage means to lose heart, to lose heart. That's why I said, don't lose heart. Be encouraged. Let me, I'm trying to encourage you here. See, Jesus himself had been troubled on three occasions. His confidence in his father's power, again, his identity and his confidence in his father's power made it possible for him to face the crisis he had ahead of him and encouraged his disciples that they can do the same. So again, we're looking at Jesus. What did he do with his, his core, his group, right? His, his covenant relationship. When they were going through troubles, he encouraged them. Now let's look at the context of this verse. Jesus had just finished telling them in the chapter before that he would be with them not, he wouldn't be with them much longer. He had just said, hey, I won't be with you much longer. I'm going to be going away. So they were greatly discouraged. They was distraught because he said, man, they, they, they didn't fully understand our Lord, our master is leaving us. And that's why I said, don't let your hearts be troubled. See, everyone needs encouragement, especially when they're going through trials and transitions. Especially when you're going through trials and transitions is when you need encouragement the most. It may be finances where you change jobs and your income drops and maybe your expenses go up. Maybe, you know, you need friends. Maybe you just moved to town or you just started coming to this church and you don't have, you don't have any friends and, 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 and you need someone to partner up with. Maybe it's your health. Maybe you or a spouse get sick and they get on some medication or begin some kind of treatment like chemo or radiation and maybe the report's not good. 
or anytime somebody has loss, if a loved one has died, maybe you're having trouble in your marriage with your spouse, maybe, you know, your child just left home, you're, you're in that stage where you become an empty nester, and that can be hard from what I hear for those that have, have their children that, that move out and move home, move out of their home. First Thessalonians 5.11 says this, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. I love that. Some of you in here are already doing this, but you know, I love this. Paul continues to encourage the church, continue to do this. And he noticed it's not just encouraging, just like a little pat on the back. Hey, Stu, good job, man. Pat on the back. Go about your day, you know, encourage and build each other up. See, we walk through brokenness in life where we get broken down. So encouragement, true covenant encouragement, build somebody back up. Hey, brother. Hey, sister, you're going to make it. I'm here for you. I love you. I'm going to be praying for you. We encourage one another. We're in covenant relationship. Amen? Number three, we produce with each other. John 15, 16 says, you didn't choose me. Again, just as Jesus speaking, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. The third dynamic that Jesus spoke to his disciples about was the importance of staying together in covenant relationships so they can produce what the Bible, what Jesus knows as lasting fruit. The Bible talks about fruit. See, life groups are a perfect place for you to develop your full potential. All of us have potential. And most of us probably have not maxed out our potential. But when you get into a life group, when you get into a covenant relationship with people, it helps you to maximize your potential. We can help each other develop, sharpen, and maximize our spiritual gifts. This will ultimately help us to produce spiritual fruit. Amen? When we help each other in developing these spiritual gifts that God has called us to, and again, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, that's why we have next steps. You can jump into next steps right after this service, and you'll take, you know, maybe not today, but through the course of the next steps class, you will take a spiritual gifts test, a personality test, and we can help you hone in on how God's wired you and what your spiritual gift is. You do that in next steps, but discipleship doesn't happen in next steps. That's just the next track to get you going. Once you find out what your gift is and what your purpose is and how you know, make a difference, you get into a life group to get discipled, and you get on a serve team so you can make a difference. Amen? Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We can also help each other produce the fruit of soul winning. See, there's a lot of people, as I mentioned this morning, out there that don't know the Lord. You may have been one of them this morning, or you may be watching online, where you still don't have that personal relationship, or you don't know God. Our vision here is for you to know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. Maybe you don't know God in a personal way, so there's a lot of people out there that don't. And so part of, of what we do is we help people introduce them to the Lord. The Bible calls that winning souls. There's lost souls out there, and we need to win them to Christ. See, a life group is a great place to invite a new person who is unsaved. This environment could, could maybe help them let down their guard, especially if they know they're just going to like a get-together or maybe a meal together. It, it, it's not as intimidating as, hey, man, come to church with me. And they walk into an auditorium this size, and they're like, man, it, it may be intimidating. But he say, hey, man, why don't you come out? You know, me, Jason, and James, we're going to be hanging out Friday night. We're going to have some gumbo. Why don't you come hang out? And, hey, that's true. Get some gumbo, but you may be sharing the word, maybe fellowship, and maybe having a little discipleship together. I remember for me, I had been getting invited to go hang out with the 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 college and career age uh, life group at the time, and I was in saved, so I was like, you know, my mom was coming to church here, and, and she, there was a girl in that life group that was she was very close with, and she kept inviting me, and finally, on New Year's Eve, 
I didn't have plans yet, and I was getting sick and tired of living the life I was living, and they invited me to a get-together for New Year's Eve, and, and it was their life group, and that's the first life group I went to. And now, it, there, was, there was no, like, Bible teaching and study, but they were just hanging out. They were eating together. They were playing games, and it was fun. And now, at the end, we did pray, which did kind of freak me out a little bit because they part, part started praying in the Spirit, and I didn't know what that was and kind of got a little wigged out, you know? But, um, but at the same time, it didn't turn me off. It was great. Because it was a bunch of people my age that were just hanging out together, having fun, eating together. And, and that was the first, my first experience as a life group. It wasn't intimidating at all. And you know what? Shortly after that, I did get radically saved and guess the first place I went. On that Thursday, I got saved on a Wednesday. The following Thursday, a week after that, I went to that life group off campus and got connected right away. Amen? Amen. Because I was introduced. It was, it was, it was, it was a small group of people that were together that was very, and, and helped to lead me to the Lord. You may remember that we read this, uh, next verse a couple of weeks ago. Matthew 9, 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. See, Matthew had just made a decision to follow Christ, and we know he later did become a disciple. Then he invites people he didn't know, who didn't know the Lord, to go eat dinner with him. He just met the Lord. He said, man, I know a bunch of dudes that don't know Jesus either and is living like me, so I'm going to throw a dinner party and have them come over. And that's what he did. So you know what? You can do the same. You can do the same. If you know Jesus, his presence is with you in your home or in your life group. Right? So it's the same thing, you know, Jesus is not physically here. If you and your life group know the Lord, or you and your friends know the Lord, and you invite people over, Jesus will be there. How do we know that? Because Matthew 18, 20, he said it. This is true. Because if two or three people come together in my name, I am there with them. Right? So you could have a Matthew party, even though your name's not Matthew, right? That We call it that because that's the template. Invite people to your house. Have them over. It, it, it may be where you have a friend that likes watching football, man. Invite them to the Saints game or LSU game or UL or whatever. Cook a gumbo. Do whatever, man, and, 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 and try to get people to, to introduce them to the Lord so we can produce fruit together. Amen? One more thing, especially as we're rounding up the end of the year, pretty soon people start going to start talking about New Year's resolutions and goals and all this stuff. When you're in covenant relationship with a group of people, it helps you to set and reach goals. See, people in groups tend to set goals and pull their energies together to reach those goals. It goes back to synergy that we talked about, right, uh, last week. See, some Christians have no goals at all. They're only trying to survive and just make it. Listen, y'all, we need to stop just trying to survive and start thriving through this life. And when you get in covenant relationship with people, they help you to produce fruit, spiritual fruit of winning souls, setting goals in your own personal life, maybe your business or in ministry, whatever it may be. The fourth principle of partnership is that we need to protect each other. We need to protect each other. Look at John 16 now. John 16, verse 1, the Lord Jesus speaking. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. See, Jesus had just outlined the, the coming conflicts in John 15 so that his disciples would not abandon their faith. That phrase, abandon your faith, literally in the original language means be caused to stumble. See, the greatest obstacles his disciples would face was to stumble and renounce their faith because their Jewish, before their Jewish opponents, the Jewish people that were coming against them, especially because they had many dark days ahead. You know what the truth is, church? It's still the greatest obstacle that we face today as well because we're living in dark days, if you couldn't tell. And the truth is, our light should shine brighter, but the days are only going to get darker. 
The days are only going to get darker. And, and all of us in this room face the obstacle because the enemy will continue to come after us to try to get us to abandon our faith. And you may be sitting here to say, Brandon, I would never, never turn away from the Lord. I've been blown away by the amount of people I saw that have turned away from Christ. Men that I've looked up to, women that I've looked up to, men that have literally poured into my life when I first got saved that are not walking with Jesus anymore. And so we got to understand we're in a spiritual battle, right? We need people to help protect us, to walk with us. And I hit on this some, again, last week too, people to help us walk, not to stumble. And that was more like stumbling into temptation and stuff, but this, this kind of Jesus wraps this up as well. See, a huge part of what I talked about last week of a circle instead of a row. You remember I said that you, you need a row to hear the word of God, but you need a, a, a circle for somebody to hear your heart. It's because of the power of protection. You know, there's, there's protection in numbers, right? You see that. If you, I, I love watching animal shows. Anytime a predator attacks a herd, they, what do they do? They try to peel somebody off. But it, whenever even the young ones, the young ones get back in the herd, that herd protects them from the predator. Everyone has or will have inner temptations that they're battling or just attacks from the enemy that they cannot conquer on their own. You should have relationships with people where you feel safe or you can be vulnerable with them and you can be yourself and share your heart. And again, we hope that you can find that in a life group. If you don't have that already with a group of people, we hope you can find that in a life group. See, as I mentioned earlier, the second part of our vision is for you to live free. Jesus said he wants to set you free and that's great, but then we got to live free. But you see, freedom must be walked out in the context of relationship. The process of being set free happens in a moment. The process of living free happens when you walk it out with relationships, covenant relationships and partnerships. You know, it's interesting, I just found out recently that the redwood tree, which is the tallest tree in the world, beneath the surface of a redwood forest, all of the roots are interconnected. All of the redwood trees are interconnecting their roots. Isn't that amazing? What does that mean? That means that all of these trees help each other to grow tall and strong. They don't do it on their own. They're the tallest, biggest, strongest trees in the world, but their roots are interconnected. See, it's a powerful illustration. I love how God even in, that's why, you know, they use agriculture, agriculture a lot in the Bible, right? Jesus and whatnot. Brother Francis has told me years ago, if you understand agriculture, you'll understand even the principles of the Bible. Here's another one. The redwood tree. We need other people to help us to go strong, to, to, to grow strong in our faith, to walk it out when the enemy attacks us or when we have temptations that we can't overcome on our own. And the fifth and final principle, and last week I specifically talked about warfare, but we'll end it again because this is the most important. Because, you know, so, so you don't get it twisted. I hope you see this is all based upon Christ being the sinner. I'm not just saying you need a person and you can forget about the Lord. I hope you hear my heart the last couple of weeks. And, and this is the most important. As we end the series, I'll end it on this. We pray for each other. We have to, you have to have people in your life that will pray for you. Yes, we all need to pray on our own, but the Bible shows us how important it is that we pray for one another. And again, Jesus is always, he's the ultimate example for everything. John 17, 9 through 11, this is the Lord himself, the Lord Jesus praying, and he's praying for his disciples. He says this, my prayer is, and he's praying to his father, not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, 
and you have given them to me. So they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. See, Jesus prayed for his disciples. This was his, you remember, like his group. This was his life group, so to speak. You know, small group, his core guys. His prayer here now was specific for unity, which, again, last night was a powerful showing of unity. Amen? We should be unified, yes, in this local body and family life church. But when we go out, Trevor was there last night. When you go out and you see churches from all over, not even Lafayette, there were churches there from Kaplan and Eunice and Abbeville, all over the Canaan area, came together in Gerard Park, and lifted up worship and prayer for three hours. It was from 6 to 9 o'clock. We had prayer. We had worship. Uh, you know, just people sharing the word. It's just a, a great sign of unity. Look, that's Jesus' prayer right there being answered. Amen? The principle here, though, is prayer. We all need someone praying for us and someone praying with us. Look at James 5.17. I know a lot of you are familiar with this scripture, but I love that the Amplified really digs into it and breaks it down even more. James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. It says your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. See, we talk about that a lot. That's part of living free right there. The last point is that when you confess to one another, you share your heart, your shortcomings, your, your, your false steps or offenses, and you, 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 the Lord uses people to heal you. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, can accomplish much. And this is it. When put into action and made effective by God. Amen? Christ has to be the center of all these covenant relationships. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. See, that's the kind of prayer and partnership we need to have with somebody. Not just people like, I'm going to pray for you, brother, and throw up a token prayer. And I get it. Any prayer is better than none. But somebody that's going to stand with you Come in agreement with you and pray powerful, dynamic prayers as the Lord will answer. And, you know, the Lord's so faithful to show me as I, Wednesday night, uh, I was leaving here after service. We had our, our prayer meeting Wednesday night. Pastor Dixie led the meeting, a, a great time. And, and as I was walking out, and I asked this sister's permission to use this story. I'm not going to say her name or details, but I was walking out. And as I was walking out, I see two ladies embracing in, in the parking lot. And I'm like walking out of the children's ministry building there. And I can see them there in this embrace. I walk out of the gate. I'm like trying to lock the gate. I'm fumbling with it, you know, and, and trying to get it was off or something. And as I turned around, they're still embraced. I'm walking by their vehicle and they're still hugging. And right when I walked by them, they had just stopped hugging. She looked at me. She's like, oh, hey, Pastor Brandon. And I know what's going on in her situation. This lady and her family is in the trial of, the, of their life. And she was crying, and she was just kind of pulling together. And I said, hey, how are you? And, you know, it was kind of one of those things. She was like, I'm fine. And then she broke again, you know. It's like, it don't seem like you're fine, you know. And so I started talking to her. This lady was her best friend that just came to town that, that uh, evening. And she just saw her, and she's just like, hey, how you doing? And she said, we just, when we hugged, she said, I just broke. She said, I was just holding all this stuff in for so long, and I just broke. So that goes back to last week, warmth, comfort, encouragement. All she did was just hug this lady, didn't say a word to her, and she just broke. She melted in her best friend's arm. And this, her friend actually is, is also her, her, her husband's a pastor. And so they just, they embraced. And so then as we began to talk, she was telling me what was going on and where she was at through this trial 
I said, oh, can we pray for her? And she said, absolutely. So me and her friend, we laid hands on her and we prayed for her. And we just began to pray over her. We prayed in the spirit. We just began to ask God's grace, comfort, perseverance to be upon her. And, and the Lord gave me, gave me a word for her just to speak in, in, into her life. And, and, and she had been dealing with, with that. And it was just such a powerful moment. So of course, the next uh, day, the next couple of days, my wife and I uh, reached out and actually checked on her. I actually want to read you the, uh, read you her message as we read, as we reached out to her. I was looking at it this morning. Hopefully I can find it because I've done a few things since then. Um, she said this, Hi, Pastor Brandon. I'm doing much better. I went home and felt peace. Thank you so much, and thank you for praying for me. I felt God's presence in the parking lot. Amen? Hey, listen. Yeah, guess give God glory. It's not me. Because her best friend was right there with her praying too. I love that. It wasn't her, her and her friend, she was already there embraced with her, comforting her, being with her. And as we came in agreement, we know the power in agreement too, right? We came in agreement, me and her friend laid hands on her, prayed over her, prayed in the spirit, spoke life into her. And my wife, as she was talking to her as well, she opened up even more and was just so grateful. You know what? That's the power and principle of partnership. When you have friends that'll take the time to pray with you and her, and, and look, she told me her thoughts went to some pretty dark places. But in that moment, I believe God met her where she was at. And again, it's not me. I'm, I'm just like you. Just as, as James said, you know, he talks about Elijah. Elijah was a human just like we were, right? Or, or just like we are. And the powerful, effective prayers of believers that come together and link arms with one another. It's amazing. You need these kind of people in your life. You need these kind of people that will embrace you, love on you, encourage you, pray for you, speak life into you, especially in those moments. And look, this lady is a mature believer. She's a leader. And she even said that, man, I've always been a strong, you know, had my, she said, but this thing has rocked me. So we all come in times where we need somebody to rally around us. Amen? Amen. So listen, we, the five principles of partnership, Jesus's five principles. We serve each other. We encourage each other. We produce with each other. We protect each other. And we pray for each other. Now, one of the things we pray for you and you out there often is that you would come to know God, as I mentioned earlier, which means to be in a personal relationship with him. You can only do that by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I know I hit on this a little bit uh, during communion, but as we close, I want to read one more scripture. Acts 13, 38 through 39 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, know this. Through Jesus, we proclaim forgiveness of sins to you. For all those sins from which you wouldn't be couldn't be put in right relationship with God through Moses' law. It says you couldn't be made right from your sins or put, be in right relationship through the law itself, just by doing things. Through Jesus, everyone who believes is put into right relationship with God. Listen, y'all, following the letter of the law, doing good things, and being religious does not put us in a true relationship with God. It's only repenting of our sins and believing in Jesus that accomplishes that. My prayer for you is that you would do that today if you haven't already. Would you bow your heads with me and just close your eyes one more time as we close? Even you at home, if you're watching at home. I know, again, I mentioned it earlier, but are you in right relationship with the Lord? This scripture makes it plain. He's talking about the people of old. They, They tried to be made right by the law, and even some people now, they try to do good things, more good things than bad things, and think that's how they're gonna make it to heaven. This scripture makes it very plain. You cannot do that. You have to put your faith, your trust in Jesus. You have to believe in him. That word believes means to trust like you would trust a parachute if you were jumping out of a plane to save your life. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. 
and that the wages of sin is death. And that word means eternal death because the next verse says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Do you know where you spend eternity? If you crossed over to the other side, do you know where, where you would be? Are you in a, a covenant relationship and partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ himself? You say, Brandon, I'm still not sure, but I want to be sure today. You at home in here, just slip up your hand one more time and just say, Brandon, I want to make sure that I'm right with the Lord today, if that's you. Amen. I know that some people raised their hands earlier, so I just want to be sure before we leave. I just want to give a little more context. Ma'am, I see your hand. Thank you. Hand still going up right here. Thank you. Thank you. Look at this. Praise God. Come on. This is never, sir, I see you in the back. Thank you. Hand still going up. I never want to close the service without giving people an opportunity to receive Christ. Anybody else? Hands going up right now. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, again, trust your whole life and eternity. Young people raising their hands. Young lady, I see your hand. He said if you, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So why don't we all pray this? Those, those with your hands raised, those of you at home with your hands raised, we're all going to pray with you as a family together because we are. We're, we're, we're becoming your new family right now. So we want to stand with you. Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for pursuing me. And thank you for dying on the cross for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I repent. I turn away from them and I turn to you today. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and the strength to live for you, to serve you, to seek you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, why don't we celebrate and rejoice with these that made that decision. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, if you're here and you made that, you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card in the pew in front of you that says, I made a decision. Fill it out, bring it to the info center in the lobby. we got a Bible for you. We want to help you out online. There's a link that says connect card. Same thing. We'll mail you a Bible. We hope you come by and come see us and you can come by the office during the week, our service on Wednesday and Sunday. For the rest of you, why don't we stand up and I just want to pray over you that if you are not in this kind of covenant relationship with somebody, this partnership, I want to encourage you, those of you watching online, those of you here today, it's time to reconnect. Amen? Amen. It's time for us to reconnect in the community, in the body of Christ. We have life groups in the kiosk, walk out online. We have uh, uh, men's suppers coming up some more next month, ladies breakfast. And so it's time to reconnect into, into true authentic relationship and discipleship. Amen. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray for those that don't have this kind of relationship. Those online, Lord God, if, if there's anything holding them back from getting back connected, I pray right now that you would just break it off of their lives, the enemy's lives, maybe fear that would be broken. I pray a wall of protection over them as they come back. Those that are here, I pray you would divinely lead them to the relationships, the life groups, and the connections that they need that we've clearly seen in your scripture these last three weeks that you desire for us to have. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Pray you bless these as they go today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. If you need specific prayer for anything, we'll be up here. If not, we'll see you soon.